want to welcome you to the Alan Smith Sunday School class. Uh, this is our podcast for today. Uh, hope you're having a great day. We're thankful for the sunshine that we see today, and we're thankful for the Lord giving us another day on his beautiful earth. Um, this week's lesson, we're going to be in Isaiah again, and we're going to be talking about God saves. So if you will, go ahead and get your Bibles out, and I'll go ahead and get ready to pray. And then by that time, maybe you'll have everything ready. So let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for what a message we hear, Lord, when we get in your word. We thank you that you love us enough, Lord, to send your own son, Jesus Christ, Lord, to take away our sins and Lord, to uh, rid us of all the, all the sins that we've had past, present, and future. We thank you for this day and we thank you for an, another day that you've made. We ask you to be with our president of the United States, Donald Trump, and his wife, Lord, as they've been tested positive for COVID-19. Lord, we ask you to be with them and guard them and, Lord, heal them. Lord, as he is the leader of a free nation here on this earth, and, Lord, he is the leader of our nation. We thank you for that. Lord, we pray for our senior pastor, Tim Cox, and, Lord, what he's going through with COVID-19. Lord, we pray for uh, fast recovery for him, Lord. And, Lord, we know that everything is in your will and our all timing is in your will. So, Lord, we just ask you to glorify yourself through what we say and what we do. Lord, help us to... Realize that today, uh, Lord, we are to pro proclaim your name and, Lord, do the things that you've asked us to do. So help us today to write the things that we're supposed to do and, Lord, to live out our lives focused on you, to be the hands and feet and the eyes and the ears, Lord, to help people and to uh, love people as you asked us to do. So, Lord, use us today to glorify your kingdom. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, this week... Our lesson is titled God Saves. We're in Isaiah chapters 24 through 27. I'm going to give a little bit of history lesson about last week, and then I'm going to tell you about chapter 27 and also tell you about chapter uh, 26, 24, and then we'll study in chapter 25 today. But last week's lesson, we learned about the oracles of judgment on the nations. God said to Isaiah that if you act like the other nations, then you'll be treated like other nations. God is Lord, and he's Lord over all nations and all empires. He's the God of everything. We ended our lesson last week by stating that we should put our hope and our trust in God and nothing else. And this week's lesson, we're back in Isaiah, chapters 24 through 27, and we'll discuss how salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. Isaiah's writings are in apocalypse form. In other words, it's a revelation of what's going to happen in the very near future, and it's also a, a revealing of nature of what God's going to do in chapter 24. So what we find out is God tells us that the old things are going to be rolled away, and He has God has power over all created things, and, and these chapters follow the, the uh, point of God's judgment on the nations and the entire earth, including death. Chapter 24 depicts the destruction of the whole earth and makes it clear to all who read the chapter that God's no respecter of persons, whether priest or common person, his righteous judgment is coming to all. Chapter 26, we'll skip ahead of chapter 25 because that's what our lesson's about. Chapter 26 speaks of Judah's salvation and their prayer to God. Both the wicked and the faithful will be dealt with according to the justice and faithfulness of God, the wicked destroyed, and the faithful 
will be renamed. And today in chapter 25, we'll see the praise for a victorious God. Chapter 24 ends with God defeating his enemies and reigning on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, thus signaling God's reign on earth. And we'll see that again. But it takes the same type of language that we hear in Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25. Mark 13, Luke 21, and Revelation chapter 6, 8, chapter 11, and chapter 16. Thus, this is fulfilling Daniel's 70-week prophecy. Anything that opposes God will be destroyed, and Isaiah praises God for this judgment. So today, we're in chapter 25. If you will, get your Bibles. Turn to chapter 25. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. And as I always say, we like to take them apart. We like to reveal what God's revealed to us. And hopefully, you'll get a message out of it for today. Chapter 25, verse 1 says, O Lord, you are my God, and I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels are of old, are faithfulness and truth. You have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a palace of foreigners to be a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, the strong people will glorify you. The city of the terrible nations will fear you, for you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress a refugee from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is a storm is as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of all aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud. The song of the terrible ones will be diminished. So what's Isaiah saying here? Isaiah is praising God because God is and has always been and will always be in control. Our faith has not been misplaced. God is faithful. He's faithful to his plan. His commitment has never changed. And God does not change. Amen. We don't need a change in God. Even though the violent nations will come to fear him when they see his power. Sadly, some of us today see that they only worship God when they're forced to because God will one day reveal his display of his power. And when that time comes, it's going to be too late for the people to turn and turn back to God. God will already be ready to judge the nations. And according to Isaiah, all world powers will come to worship God through the experience of his power. We have hope that one day our faith in God's power will be justified which is good news for Isaiah's audience and for the body of believers today. Isaiah is saying we must persevere and be faithful even in the face of oppression and a struggle. And today, sadly, we say people don't think of a God as a God that would judge humanity because their God is a God of only love. We see it on billboards everywhere. God is God is love. God, That's all God is. God is love. God's all about, he won't judge the nations. He won't judge people because it's a God of love. Let me make sure you all understand something. Everybody's listening. God's holy. And his love 
is holy. Thus, God's love is holy love. People only focus on the love part of God's message, and they miss the most important part about his holiness. When we miss this point, we get in a very dangerous area because God is holy, and he demands justice. God brings destruction to the prideful, but it is a stronghold for the poor and the needy. Because we all are sinners, we fail to live up to God's standards, thereby rightly incurring his wrath. And Romans 3 says, verse 9 of Romans 3 says, both Jew and Greek, that they are all under sin. And if you know during this time, the Jews were God's chosen family, God's chosen race, and the Greeks were Gentiles, barbarians. They were outcasts. They were not part of God's family. But here we see God's no respecter of persons. God will receive his glory. The Bible makes it clear that those who oppose God and those that are self-willed and self-assured of their own power will not like the outcome, and it will go poorly for them. Because God loves us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Thus taking on the wrath that we so deservedly deserve and pouring out his wrath on his son, Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5.8 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. Every person has value as a bearer of the image of God. Thus, we must treat all people as valuable. We can rejoice knowing that God will bring justice and will right all the wrongs that's been done to us. And this gives us hope when we're facing troubled times, knowing that God's going to triumph over all evil. And for those of us who trust in Jesus for their salvation, We'll be together with God throughout eternity with the righteous God in charge. And this, again, should encourage us. But it should encourage us to tell others about the gospel. Then they also can experience the same salvation we do. Isaiah's message offers both encouragement and a warning. The poor and the needy are reminded that the Lord is their stronghold. This justice and his justice is coming and God will set everything right in his perfect timing. This should also come as a warning to those who put their confidence in their power or their wealth or their influence. It will not last. And we should all look at our own attitudes and our own actions towards others. Are we treating same, the same people as less value? Because we want you to remember, God will set all things straight. He'll set everything right in his timing. Verses 6 through 8 say this, and we're going to hang for here for a little while. So verses 6 through 8, Isaiah 25 says, And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. That's verses six through eight. So what's Isaiah saying here? He's saying those who trust in the Lord, they're going to celebrate with the Lord. 
and it's called a feast. And the Bible often refers to feasting to indicate the level of celebration and the joy that we will experience with the eternal presence of God. When you think back to all of your family gathering around and everybody feasting on the good things of life, can you imagine how good it's going to be when God presents you in front of the feast? And he tells you, eat, enjoy. I go prepare a place for you. And he's telling you that you're going to come to a feast that only God can put up, that only God can put on. This feast is going to be so great, so good, that you'll want to invite all your friends. But he's asking you today, are you inviting your friends? Are you telling them about this feast? And you tell them about the place that I go. Are you telling them about the holiness that I am? Are you telling them about my son? Jesus Christ. God desires for all people, all people to worship him. And people from every tribe and every nation will be at this feast. This feast will be amazing because God's going to be giving it. We'll see his amazing presence and his amazing power while we're there. And we'll be there for eternity. He will restore our relationships with him and our relationships with God and the rest of the universe. God will set everything straight for us. And Christians long for all people to be reconciled to God. Lastly, God will swallow up death forever. And death, death is a consequence of humanity's sin, but it does not have its final say. Death is the greatest enemy, and its defeat will be the ultimate testimony to God's power. You see, in 1 Corinthians 15, we see that when Christ rose from the dead, he defeated death, removing its power over us Christians. But don't mistake what we're saying here. Don't mistake what Isaiah is saying. Death is gone. That means the people that are alive and the people that have died, they're going to experience hell forever. If you're not in the house of the Lord. I want you to understand that will be gnashing of teeth, biting, separation from God. God will not be with you. But what else does it say? But it is a comforting thought to know that death is not the final word. We now face death with the knowledge that Christ defeated death and is preparing a home for us. I say amen and amen and amen. God said, I go prepare a place for you that where I am, you are there also. So God's a living God. God's a testifying God of who he is. God tells us all the way from Genesis to Revelation who I am. I am the I am. I created this earth and I'm going to send it with the people that reject me to hell. So if you think about that, that's what happened. All people will be delivered from death forever. This is glorious news. And what a wonderful feast this will be. With the defeat of death, there'll be no more tears. Isaiah says, tells us that God of the universe will wipe away every tear from all faces. God will gently remove our tears and comfort us with personal care. So much so that he'll hold us with his strong right hand and wipe away our tear and tell us how much he loves us face to face. For everything we've experienced as a child of God will be made right. 
and God will remove our disgrace. God will gently remove our tears. But those that are going to hell, he's not going to remove your tears. You're going to be continually crying, continually being heat. The heat will be so intense. You'll be begging for anything. The chasm between the God and, and hell will be so wide. And the only person that you can cry out to is yourself because you'll be separated from everything else. Verses 9 and 10 say this. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For on this mountain, the hand of the Lord will rest. The ones who are present at this feast will be the ones that trusted in God. Salvation is always dependent upon humanity's trust in God, not in works. It's not what you can do for God. It's what God's done for you. Sometimes people say that following the Ten Commandments is enough to save us. But it's the only thing that it was there for is to show us our need for redemption through Christ. You see, the law was never meant to save. Galatians 2.21, Paul says, righteousness cannot come through the law. How can one be saved then? By trusting in Christ for our righteousness, righteousness, not ourselves. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Salvation depends on what God does for us, not what we do for God. And if we trust in ourselves and our own righteousness, then we'll stand condemned before God. And we will be expected to go to hell. God will not change his mind at that time. He's a never-changing God. It's only by Christ that we're redeemed and reconciled to God. As with all good gifts that we give to others, this salvation that God gives us comes from God and no one has claim to this gift except by his permission. God will present his people and his nations at the feast. The divide between God and humanity caused by sin has been removed. The great chasm that we talked about earlier is gone. But that's about God's people. The separation between heaven and hell is tremendous. And only God knows its distance. Death has been swallowed up. Death has been destroyed. God is in charge of everything. This lesson that we're learning about in Isaiah 25 and this song of prayers, the purpose of, the, of this is God's judgment. It's a form of correction. It's a form of correction that's meant to lead mankind to redemption and restoration. God's punishment has a purpose. And that purpose gives hope and leads the faithful to sing praises to God as Isaiah was doing here. What we find out as we read through this lesson is God's preparing us from the beginning, from Genesis through Revelation. He formed the earth to give him glory and praise. He formed humans in the image of God to bring him glory. And he will get that glory. The ones that choose him will go on to have a feast and a place in heaven that only God can prepare. Our minds, our infinite minds, cannot even imagine what God's got in store for us. But God has gone to prepare a place for me and for you if you trust in God. But realize this one thing. 
There's only time while you're here on this earth. We can't pray you into heaven after you're dead. And after, after you're dead, we can't all gather around and pray your body in heaven. That's proven in the Bible. What you do realize is there is one judgment, and that judgment is coming. I'll end with this as we get into the closing of our lesson. God is waiting. He's waiting on your decision. You have a decision to make. Do you trust in God for your eternity? Do you trust in God with your now? Do you trust in God to lead you through the COVID-19 and all the things that are going on now in today's world with all the uprisings and uh, uproar over everything going on? Do you trust God with everything? You have to. God said, if you'll trust me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But God is waiting on your decision. But he'll not wait forever. Realize your last breath sets your eternity in motion. When I say that, I want you to understand something. You're going to die in this world. But on your last breath, you'll, the next breath you take, which you'll never know, you'll be in heaven or you'll be in hell. Either way, that decision is an eternity decision that has to be made while you're on earth here. So you can either choose to go to heaven or you can not choose, which is a choice, and you can end up in hell. But whatever you do, realize one thing. God's judgment is eternal. God's judgment is final. And we can praise God that everything that we say and that we do by trusting in his word will come true. And God loves us enough to send his own son to take our wrath. Who can't trust a God like that? Realize that today, it's only God that saves. Not anything you can do. You can't boast about any. Realize that God loves you today. And come before his throne of grace. Thank you for loving us. I want you to know how much I love you. And if you have any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. Love to hear from you. This is the Alan Smith Podcast for Liberty Baptist Church. Talk to you soon. Bye.